Yes, hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own business and this podcast is just us chatting as we often do about anything and everything property. For today's podcast, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. First, because we thought it'd be fun for us and hopefully it'll be interesting for people to listen to. And that is Simon has found a property of interest that uh, he may or may not invest in. And we thought rather than have the chat before the podcast, as we often do about the numbers, what he's looking at, what it, what he would think about doing with it, we thought we're going to do it live. We'll, we'll just hit the record button and we'll talk through it. Hopefully it's a format which works. Either way, if it does, if it doesn't, please do reach out to us. You can reach out to us via the businessofproperty.com on the contact form or any of our other channels, which will be in the podcast show notes. So please do let us know. We'll be very grateful to hear from you. So Simon, the first question is, you've found a property and you'll give us a little overview of that, I'm sure. But I'm interested, what is the very first thing about the property that makes you click on it rather than continue to scroll when you're looking at a property? Why why this property did you stop? Oh, that's really an interesting question because this is probably not the primary type of property that I would normally stop and, and look at. So I'm normally looking at two or three bed houses, uh, ones in appropriate areas, ones that are of an appropriate price that, that I could potentially afford. And, and this property doesn't fit any of those criteria. So I think really what caught my eye for this property is just a combination of factors. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I dug into it a bit more and thought, oh, it really is quite interesting. And, and hence that, that was how my interest built, um, having started looking at it. So this, this property is listed as a six-bedroom property. So I'm often sort of curious about bigger properties, just not because I'm, I'm looking to invest in them because I generally can't afford them, but because I like properties and I like looking at nice, interesting properties. And, and a six-bedroom property is probably going to be kind of interesting you don't get very many of them. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's probably what sort of piqued my interest. It probably wasn't an initial look with investment in mind, but but digging in, I came around to the idea. Okay. So you've talked about a combination of factors. So let, let's have an overview. It's a six bed. Give us a little bit more detail around the property itself, location, type, etc. Okay. It is a detached house. It's in Ellswood, so sort of southern part of, of Red Hill. People living in Ellswood will, will probably uh, dislike me clarifying it or, or classifying it as part of Red Hill. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's, as I mentioned, six bedrooms. And looking at the, the floor plan, those bedrooms are all big bedrooms. So it's, it's a, a, a big property overall. It's been on the market since September. It was initially listed at 850000 It's been reduced twice and is now listed at 750,000 looking around the properties or through the, the photos and things it needs some work and i think 750,000 is probably still a bit optimistic even though it's it's a big property it's currently all one property there's parking for for one car outside the, the front which is fairly important in this area because there's, there's there is road parking but it's busy so yeah i think that's sort of the the, the background oh i should should say it, it's a relatively old house so it's it's not not new or not modern. If you look at the EPC rating for it, it's pretty bad. I have I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it might be an F. 
So that would be a sort of a, a red flag for, for investment these days. But but I, I think a, any investor with, on this property would would be looking to make changes. So obviously you can you can improve the EPC along with that. Okay. And what would be your intention with the property? I what what would you do with it once purchased? So I think this property is sufficiently large that I don't think it would make sense as a, a single rental unit. However, perhaps you could split it into flats, was my thought. And I dug into this a bit. And as it turns out, there's an almost identical house next door, which is currently two flats. So I'm not the first person to think of this. And I think having a, an example right next door that has already been split, to me, suggests that you could probably get the planning permission. It would probably work out okay for that. And internally, it must be possible. Now, that property is split into two flats, as I mentioned, and I would probably want to get three flats out of out of this property, I think, in order to make it work financially. In fact, I'm still not entirely sure it works financially, as we will come on to later, I'm sure. But but I think to get close to working financially, it would need to be need to be three flats, probably a a couple of three beds and a, a two bed. Hopefully, it's split across three floors as it currently stands. Well, actually, there's a cellar as well, but it's only a single room, and there's there's no natural light to it. So the main living accommodation is split across three floors. The top floor is only a couple of rooms. They're, they're fairly big rooms, but only a couple of rooms. So I don't think you would be able to have a flat per floor. I think you'd probably have a uh, perhaps a ground floor flat and then uh, two split level flats on the, the top two levels, something like that. But yeah, you, you need to get an architect involved to, to be actually be able to do this properly. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not such. But, but yeah, just looking roughly at the floor plan, I, I reckon you can squeeze three into it. So just for the listener's benefit, we'll put a link of, to this from Rightmove on the show notes so that you can have a look at this because I think it's very interesting. This is why we hope this is going to be of interest. So I am looking at this live whilst we are talking. So this is new to me as well. And I would agree in terms of the floor plan, certainly looks like there's a lot of space there. You know, you've got 200 and let's say 9, 10 square meters, almost 2,300 square foot. So it's certainly a big house that you could get into. And in terms of value, what would you see that the, the the end value let's say you could get this you, you you do all the right things you get the approvals and we, we get the valuations in for three flats what what would your hope be i think i might be being slightly optimistic with these numbers but, but hopefully not too out of touch with reality so i would think that if we can get two three bed flats and one two bed flat into the space Looking at sort of comparables in the region, I reckon you could you could say three ten for each of the three beds, and two eighty as a, a value for the two bed. Maybe it would be slightly less, but if you if you finish it well, maybe it could even be slightly more. So I don't think they're unrealistic numbers to go for. Okay, so we're actually looking if all turned out really well, and we know the reality of property. But if it all turned out really well. You're looking at an end valuation of approximately 900k. Yeah, for the three. Yep, that, that's the numbers I came up with too. Right now, drilling down slightly on some of this, my first question is: 
the 750, as you've said, that still seems quite punchy to me based on the property type and the very, very quick. So appreciate you'll have done a little bit more due diligence than I am, but this, these are the sort of immediate questions that are coming to me, which is 750 still seems really punchy. Now, I've just had a very quick look whilst you were talking at sort of local area and sales. Now, a lot has changed in the last two years in terms of prices, but I did find, a I think it was a five bed that was sold in the summer of last year for, for about 510 However, that is probably the low, lowest value that I, that I saw just on my very quick scroll. But it says to me, there's probably a variable bit of pricing happening. So what had you looked at around that? Because obviously, you've got the tools in Patma and everything else. What's your view on valuation? So I think it's very hard to value a house like this because it's, it's very big. And there are other buildings that are the same around. But as I said, They've generally been split or not sold for a long time. So it's very, very difficult to get direct comparables. So I've based it sort of more on what, what I think could work in terms of sort of an investment scenario and looking at that sort of more roughly with comparables in the area and obviously the, the general size of the property. So I've based my sort of financial forecast prediction figures, whatever you want to call them, on a purchase price of 700 And I think that that's probably still high. I would hope that you'd actually manage to get it for a bit less than that. But that, that's what I've sort of made. That, that's what I've used in my calculations. And they sort of just about work as a, as a financial, or oh, sorry, as an investment scenario and for, for, from that. Yeah. And then the other immediate question is, one thing I'm always wary of, having looked at similar things myself, is that the top floor, there are eaves, although from the, I think it's one photo of the top floor, you can see that there is head height for a good proportion of it. But that, that would be my other immediate concern is actually, would we be able to convert that into, you know, a good floor space to get a third flat, you know, that plus the you know the element of the first floor that you were talking about yeah so the top floor is currently listed on on the current listing as bedrooms two bedrooms and a, a loft storage space i think is what it's, it's lift, listed as and as you say from the photos it looks like there are eaves involved but not cutting off too much of the room space hopefully i haven't been to view this property so i don't know for sure obviously so based on that i was thinking that you would use that loft space as bedrooms still, and hence the the two split level flats. So you'd have the the living space for each of those flats on the the middle floor, and then maybe one of the bedrooms as well, uh, and or a couple of bedrooms, and then you'd go upstairs for the just just a bedroom or or two bedrooms depending on on the flat perhaps. So that's my thinking anyway. So hopefully you wouldn't have too much reliance on that top floor. There are windows up there. There is natural light. So that they can be bedrooms and seeing as they're already listed as bedrooms hopefully the structure and, and other requirements are are there already okay so in an ideal world you'd hope to get it for around 700 or a bit less hopefully but yes but yeah but, but i i think i think looking at what it's actually worth it given that it's not an ideal state it definitely needs work even just keeping it as a as a single home 
I think really it would be less than that. But that's the number I've used in my calculations. And in terms of rental, what would you hope to get for rental amounts per month per annum? As a whole, across the three flats, I think 3,900 per month. And that breaks down as 1,350 for each of the three beds and 1,200 for the two bed. These, I think, are, I think they are very realistic and you might actually be able to get slightly higher than that if the, the flats are finished well and they have parking and things like that. So that's something else to mention, actually. Currently, there's a driveway at the front for one car. However, there is also a garden next to that. And looking at other properties in the area, they have converted more of the garden into driveway space. And there is actually an, that, that garden space or the, the front of the house is wide enough for three cars. So you could actually have three flats each with a parking space. So, so I think that would, that would increase the, the value both for sale and for rental. And obviously keep those extra cars off the road, which again might well help with planning permission too. Yeah. Just to clarify, as I flick through the photos, it's, what, it's one of those where, yeah, you, even if you weren't converting, you'd have to replace kitchen and things because it's you know obviously hasn't been worked on for let's say at least 20 years probably longer so based on your rental figure your well i would say low ball then you're coming out of 6.7 percent gross yield so that does that hit your initial hurdle rate of something that you then would look into further yes definitely I know you you like looking at yield first, and I I hardly ever look at yield at all. Never mind first. <laughs> I, I base mine a lot more on ROI, and yes, yield. I would definitely look at that because I'm often looking at properties that actually have a yield of three or four percent. The ROI calculation that I've got on this, so that I've I've put together a a brrr scenario. You're not cold. You're just talking about buy, refurbish, refinance, <laughs> uh, rent. Rent. Yep. Ruminate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed I am. So so the idea is that you you buy it on a shorter term finance package, a bridge of some description, probably, because you're going to be doing lots of building works to it and standard mortgages don't like you ripping things apart. So you, you buy it on a bridge, hold it on a bridge for a while while you do that work. And then well, once you've finished that work, you can then get it revalued in its new form so you can then move to mortgage pay back the bridge hopefully get a bit of money back out of it and then you can can rent it based on that that new mortgage you've got after the the works so the roi that i've calculated is based on the money that you would have left after that mortgage at the end and that comes out at just over nine percent okay so you've got nine percent return on investment so and so you're talking about all of the costs that you'll have incurred to develop the property less the mortgage that that's an interesting one actually because you you've got a lot more development experience than i have so in my scenario i've put in a budget of eighty thousand pounds to do the flat conversions and i'm not sure if that's enough it feels like quite a lot of money but i'm not sure it's actually enough so i'm going to put you on the spot Stuart. what what do you reckon what would be your off the top of your head well, it feels like a lot of money because it is a lot of money. I'll take, you know, 80K is a lot of money. It's, I'm just thinking, so you'd need, obviously, three bathrooms, three kitchens. You've got planning costs. 
you've got architect cost. If I were doing this where I am, yeah, I did five bed with five on sweep for for less than that. So it it does it does feel punchy, but to be honest, in the south, w- without going into the detail, I think it's probably you know eye wateringly going to be there or thereabouts. I would say. Uh, I think re- reading between the lines, you're being too polite to say that I've vastly underestimated that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first thing I was going to say was if that's the number you think it is at least add another 10k because that's that my experience is whatever you think it is it's always going to be more anyway because that's just how it works and yeah let, let's not get into the, the conversation around supply at the moment but i think a kitchen that we were going to buy about a year and a half ago has increased by about 400 percent because of the dearth of timber in the world or the the inability to supply it so we've got that kind of storm happening but uh, yeah, I, I, it can't be a million miles away. You've convinced me to, to increase it. So, so while you've been talking, I've, I've put it up by 20K. So there you go. There's, there's now financial forecast built with refurb costs or building costs of 100K in there. So that comes out an ROI of 8.25%. So yeah. Still pretty good ROI. Yeah. And the challenge is with all of these properties, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. It looks like a, to me, it looks like a kind of, you know, like a 50s, type building i'm sure it's a lot older than that but what i looked at previously you know i bought property that was say 200 years old every time we moved something or removed a chimney breast something else came up you know we moved a chimney breast and then the roof needed repairing it's the unknown unknowns to coin a, a phrase that are the ones that get you it's not the known knowns you like you know okay the bathrooms the kitchens the reformatting of the footprint internals is okay it's just you know let's say you want to move an eve back and then you remove that eve and then you find you've got a i don't know a pigeon nest or whatever it's called they're the bits that tend to suddenly all you know add 10 percent to what you thought was going to be a reasonable cost yeah right good to have a bit of a buffer in there so i'm interested to know what would your next step be in terms of if you were to pull the trigger, what's what's the thing that you'd have to do first before you pulled the trigger on, yeah, let's have a look at this properly? So having put the financials together, it works out that it's got a good ROI. And maybe I'll, I'll run through some figures quickly. There's could be far too many figures here for people to really remember and what have you. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But the end result is that you end up with £204,000 left in the property after refinancing. And in order to to get to that end point, you have to put in at the beginning about 350000 because you've got a much bigger deposit to start with because of the lower valuation. You've got stamp duty, obviously. You've got your refurb money. You've got fees and normal purchase costs. And then you've got the bridge interest and things as well. And you've got sort of general expenses while the refurb's going on. So paying council tax and, and that kind of things, water, electricity, et cetera. So with all, all that in, it, it comes out about 350000 Looking at the 200000 even that is probably more money. Well, it is definitely more money than, than I have at the moment to put into a, a property. So I could perhaps maybe remortgage one of my others, which I've been, been thinking about, and maybe scrape together the, the 200000 if I really, really tried. But, but it's certainly not 
what I have at the moment and it's not, or it is more than I was planning to put into property. So with that in mind, considering I then need 350,000 to actually purchase it in the first place and do the refurb, it's, I can't afford it basically. So I would need to be really convinced about this and then add in costs for private finance and go out and look for other investors to to help with the purchase if I was to go ahead. And I think really that's, for, for me personally, that's the, the blocking point for me on this deal. The fact that basically I can't afford it. And if I could make it work, I would need to go out and, and find private investors, which is really not something I want to do at the moment. I know it's something that, that could be done, but I'm too busy doing other stuff <laughs> to, to be putting much time and effort into that process. So that's probably where I'm stuck with this deal. If I wasn't, then I, I think my next steps would be to rework the finances based on some private borrowing, work out if they still still could work. And I think they probably couldn't at the 700,000 purchase point, but perhaps they could at a, a lower purchase point. And then it would be to go and, go and view the property and start poking around and having a look, talk to the, the agent, see if there is actually enough flexibility in, in the purchase price. Yeah. Yeah. Because if that's the, the challenge, that's, that's one of the things based on my very limited research on this property. It, it looks like it's well overpriced and potentially is something where, you know, it could be a maybe not probate, but could be just be where, you know, the previous owners have now left for whatever reason and and maybe people are just trying to extract as much cash from it as they can so yeah they could be on that and just one other thing i i just wanted to pull up that you, that you reminded me of when we were talking about unknown costs the thing thing that came up before when i particularly when you're creating more flats or more letting rooms however that appears is it, for example we had to upgrade the power have to upgrade the services into the property so that's a power supply issue from 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 whichever network is providing that power, and that made, immediately made me thought think about the fact that 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 then adds time, and uh, you know things like that. We had to beat our head against the wall. I mean, it took so much longer than than I could have expected. And I thought, you know, we can do that concurrently. It's fine. I'll start knocking rooms around, and we'll do this, that, and the other. Meanwhile, you know, the electric power supply they're just taking forever and actually i had one month of down tools where we couldn't link up showers because they were electric showers we couldn't do certain things so we had one month where actually no one was doing anything because because we couldn't safely do it and they're the bits that you don't think about that add the time because it's added a month on and of course you're paying someone to do that and of course, like you said, because you, you talked about voids or you talked about council tax, but it made me think of voids and things like that. They're, they're costs that actually, before you know it, there's, there's 10 grand right there that, that's just seemingly come out of the ether. Yeah, because every extra month, the build process is ongoing. You're paying council tax, you're paying electricity, you're paying water, you're paying interest on your bridging loan, which is at a higher rate than the normal mortgage would be or whatever. And perhaps you're paying an even higher rate to private finances. So you say, yeah, it's, it's, you really don't want to, to be overrunning. And actually, that brings up a, another excellent point that, again, I'm not very experienced on certainly the size of a project, but perhaps you are a bit more. I put in my estimate for six months for build time. That sort of feels optimistic in the current situation. Do you agree? Is, is that too short? I nearly laughed when you said six months. Does that tell you? Oh dear. 
But the thing is, it is reasonable. Can it be done? Of course it can. It's just you need everything to line up. So, you know, we talked about this probably in the very early episodes of the podcast, but I bought a house that was on a quarter of an acre of land. Didn't look dissimilar to this one, actually. And my intention was simply to double the size of the house, build an extension, double the size of the house, make it a really nice big family home because it was an old two-bed cottage. It's the one that my wife and kids moved into when she was pregnant, but that's another story. So basically, I thought, yeah, we'll do this in six months. We just need to get planning. And I think we bought the property in July. We got planning the following March for that property. Now, that's not to say that's always the case. And this this is a lot a simpler project. But that's why I almost laugh, because that, that was one where, because of the time it took to get the planning permission, we, it was one of the where we were going into the council offices to meet with the planners to try and you know, obviously persuade them and, you know, placate their fears and this, that and the other. But the irony was for me on that, on that was that I decided because of the void, because of the money that we were just spending on not doing anything, I said, right, let's just refurb the house. We're just going to sell it as a better house than it currently is. The day that the builders gave me back the keys when they finished the refurb was the day that we got planning approval. So. Absolutely typical. <laughs> So six months sounds reasonable, but then I think for me, the first step on this is before I would do anything, assuming I think, yeah, the numbers work, I can get the funds, I'd want to talk to an architect and they would want their palms crossing with certain amount of silver before I would do anything or even a planning consultant to give us that confidence that we're not barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we I talked about sort of the next steps following your your earlier question and talked about need to make sure finance would be in place going and having a look at the property then of course we i stopped at that point and you're absolutely right if you decide that you you actually want to potentially proceed and and maybe put in an offer you've got to start having at least rough conversations with the people involved so an architect and the local planning officers so you you have some idea whether it's even feasible. So I mean, you you don't want to be purchasing such a large property without anything, any potential there. So I wonder if perhaps this is where you might talk to the the vendor about some kind of delayed completion or some other sort of different purchase approach, so that you can be more certain of that before you actually fully commit. Yeah, and and this is why a lot of a lot of number of other strategies exist for that very reason. And dear listener, we will be wrapping up very soon. And, but just to finish up on that conversation, that is where you know, we think about things like you've mentioned delayed completions or keys undertakings, or things where actually we're probably putting a foot into commercial land because it's almost a subject to planning approvals where you say. Yes, we really want to buy it, and this is the price. But you know, there's a certain level of confidence. Whether you share all of that with the vendor is is a different matter. But it could be that you say, "Look, let's rent it." I think my view, just to give you my summary of the the very basic, is that it's tight, and I think the reason it's tight is for me is the third flat, and that it's the make or break. Because obviously, if it's not a third flat, then all of the numbers you, you know crumble immediately. Unless it's something which you say, even at two flats, 
but of course you're not going to create something that, which is worth less than you pay for it so you, you you need to be looking in the region of 600k before you'd consider it so for me the third flat that is the key domino and if, if that's not possible then it's a no deal yeah yeah totally agree and sort of putting a dampener on that possibility is the property next door which is split into two flats not three mm. and this is sort of the near identical property so so yes I, I agree that would be a concern and the reason that the planning consultancy on an on, architect on is the first step as well because right back at the beginning when you mentioned that i think yes it is a good thing that there's a house next door that's been converted but it's a double-edged sword because equally it could be seen well we've already put an extra two house you know we've, we've doubled a household so doubled cars you know so would we want to do that for three another three and local residents i'm sure they're going to have a say in all of that and rightly so as as you and i would as well so all of those things however we are going to leave it there because we like to give you some time back in the day please do reach out to us let us know if you've got any thoughts whether you think simon is completely mad to even consider these types of deals i personally find it interesting in terms of the the rois and yields that simon works with hopefully you do too so please do reach out to us following the usual channels at biz of property if you want to tweet us we hang out there mostly otherwise go to thebusinessofproperty.com or you can find simon and myself on linkedin other than that we see you next week